Good morning, everybody. It's another Sunday morning. It is a wonderful time for us to come together as a body, whether you're watching from at home or here with us this morning. Uh, we're going to be spending some time today to worship our Father. Uh, we're going to do that in spirit and truth, and we're going to do that all together no matter where we are throughout the whole world here. Uh, if you're joining us at home, you just saw a, a short clip of some pictures of our India mission team and what they're doing. Uh, they're doing some wonderful work um, and have had, uh, as well as our South American missions, have had some baptisms recently. So they're continuing to grow during this tumultuous time. Uh, we want to continue to keep them in our prayers as well and all the good works that are taking place there. If you're watching at home, please take just a second to uh, like and share this so that we can uh, get our, our service this morning that's joined by as many people as possible and uh, try to do our, our Christianly duty to share with others. Uh, we've got several of our Bay Area family this morning that are dealing with some health issues we want to recognize real quick. Um, we're thankful that Kayla Schwind is making continued progress and healing from her accident. We want to continue to keep her in our prayers as she recovers and also remember her mother and her uncle who were also involved in that accident. Our brother Harold Stutzman uh, had a bit of a setback this week, having to be hospitalized for a cellulitis treatment, um, and so we, uh, we know he's in some discomfort. We want to continue to keep him in our prayers. Faye Brown is continuing to recover from neck surgery, wants to thank everyone for their love and kindness that's been shown to her in so many ways in the, as she's come out of this surgery, but she's continuing to recover. We want to continue to keep her in our prayers. Um, as we all know, our brother David Harkins is uh, still in the hospital, still dealing with uh, some sickness and, and really is dealing with a lot of loneliness, um, is, is feeling very isolated. So if there's anything you can do to reach out, uh, whether that be a visit or a card, uh, if you need the address, please reach out to the, to the uh, church office. But he's really looking for some, uh, some contact during this time. So we want to make a special effort to try to continue to uh, keep our brother David Harkins in our thoughts and prayers. Uh, Peter Bianchi is recovering from a bit of skin cancer that was removed, uh, resulting in plastic surgery on his nose, and thankfully he's doing well. Um, word was received that Pat Black was hospitalized this week with pneumonia. Uh, we don't have any further details at this moment, but we definitely want to keep our prayers. Uh, we also have some praise reports. Thankfully, Ron and Betty McCormick, who we've been praying for, who both had contracted COVID-19, are recovering well. So that's great news. Uh, also, we, we've heard that uh, George Klein did get those results back and, and received an encouraging report from his doctor. Although he has been diagnosed with a form of leukemia, it's highly treatable and manageable. So we praise God for his goodness there. Um, he's going to be seeing a specialist to make a treatment plan and see how he's going to be moving forward. So let's keep George in our prayers as well. Uh, word also has that D. Harris's sister Marissa is now COVID-free and did not have any adverse reactions with her asthma. So that's an answer to prayer that we should all be thankful for. Um, Jeannie Thomas handed me a note this morning asking for prayers for a test on her heart that's going to be taking place tomorrow. And uh, she's expecting results later on this week, so um, she'll be sure to, to give us an update on that. But we want to keep her in our prayers this week. Um, and then our sister Jan Sweeney is here this morning. Uh, she wanted to, to make a special note to thank everyone for the love and prayers and just uh, kindness that they've shown her and her family during this time after the tragic loss of her son, Bruce. Um, and then on a sad note, we learned the passing of one of our former Bay Area members, James Darnell. Uh, James and Libby Darnell were members here quite a few years before moving back to be closer with their kids. James passed away on October 27th uh, at the age of 72. So we want to keep that family in our prayers. Um, as we move forward and we are beginning to see more people and more phases here on worship, if you're watching from home and you want to 
want to join us here, we'd certainly love to have you. We still have some room. We'd love to have a problem where we have to try to find more room. But um, if you want to join us, go online and make sure that you sign up. Um, if you are here and you want to come back next week, we want to have you as well. Make sure you're going online and signing up. We're asking that everyone sign up by the Thursday prior to the Sunday's worship at noon. So if you could make sure to do that. And if for some reason you've signed up and you're not going to be able to make it, uh, please go back online and adjust that or give Tom Manley a call so we can make sure that we can accommodate all the seating here in the auditorium. Um, Faith Lane, the kids on Faith Lane are going to continue to be doing their Zoom uh, pajama parties with Miss Angie on Thursday evenings. That happens at 7 p.m. It's a blast. If you've got kids on Faith Lane, they, uh, they're missing out if they're not taking part in that. As always, uh, Angie, look forward to seeing everyone this Thursday and praise and worship night this Sunday. Um, more about that in just a second. The youth group's got a lot of fun things on the horizon as well. Robbie's working with the kids. Um, they are doing some, some new and fun activities, so make sure that you're following that on Facebook and paying attention to that. Remember that Sunday classes now are meeting at 1 instead of noon, so, uh, so make sure, first of all, that your clocks are adjusted for the time change, but that you're joining Robbie at 1 to make sure that uh, you can continue your worship this afternoon with the youth group. Um, and then another exciting news in the, in the Faith Lane and youth group world is that the first of many praise and worship nights with Tyrone and Ashley are going to take place uh, this Sunday, tonight, from 6 to 7 p.m. on the church grounds. This is for all families of the youth group and Faith Lane. Uh, the first event's going to be tonight at 6 p.m. on the church grounds. We're going to meet out here. There'll be some singing and devotional time around a fire, so you need to bring a chair or a blanket that, uh, to sit on. Uh, there'll be a few chairs that'll be provided. Uh, we're going to spend some time just getting together in a socially distant way, singing some praises to God, and spending a little time in devotional thought around a camp, uh, campfire out here. And uh, it's going to be a great time. So we really hope that if you're part of the Faith Lane or youth group families, that you'll come out and join us for that. It's going to be a great time, and uh, hopefully the first of many to come. Now, with that said, we've, we've made our way through our announcements this morning. Uh, we're going to go ahead and transition into a time of worship. Uh, I'm going to lead a prayer, and then shortly after that, we're going to watch a, another Speaking of Faith Lane and, and youth group, another short video that Robbie's put together about some of the things that are coming up for those areas. So if you would, let's uh, bow and pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, as we come together as a family, no matter where we are this morning, we bow our heads and know that we can come before your throne as your children. And that is such an amazing and awesome and awe-inspiring thought to have. Lord, we thank you for being a God who loves us enough to, to grant us that privilege who loved us enough to send his son to die for us so that we could have that very privilege. Lord, we pray that you will help us to live lives that are worthy of that sacrifice. We, help, we, we hope and pray that you will grant us wisdom and grant us hearts that long to be your children and your servants. Help us to be a blessing to all who we come in contact with and help us to lift you up and to show your love to the entire world. We pray these things this morning as we come before you in worship to lift you up. And it is in your son's name we pray. Amen. Hi, Barrier Rep family. This is Angie. I just wanted to tell you about an exciting opportunity we have coming up for the month of December. Pretty soon, we're going to have these boxes available for all of our Faith Lane kids and even some of your friends and families that are um, nearby. It's called Christmas in a Box, and I can't wait to show you what it's all about. So inside the Christmas in a Box, we have this packet that will help parents go through the month of December in the Advent season. 
and you can do all kinds of exciting activities for you and your family to participate in together. It's almost like a little guidebook to be able to spend quality time with your kids and really easy, fun activities that will engage them and teach them more about Christ. So for example, there's weekly activities and included in the box are all kinds of supplies so that you'll already have it all ready for you. Also, I'm going to be doing a weekly video for parents, just letting you know how you could use the box and the supplies that are in it for you this week. Really short, really simple, just to give you a couple ideas so that you can prepare for the week ahead. I hope this is helpful to you, and I'm really excited about the journey you're going to take this December. We're also going to need some help assembling all the boxes, and I'm so excited for the youth group to help us on November 15th to put the boxes together and to assemble them so that our Faith Lane families can pick them up on November 29th. Okay, so Miss Angie has detailed uh, the upcoming activity uh, with the boxes and all. I just want to reiterate that this is an activity for uh, the youth and we don't want your parents dropping up your kids and leaving. We actually have a joint activity where while we're working on the boxes, the youth group, the parents are going to have coffee or latte or tea Maybe if you know we're generous, we might throw in some um, uh, waffles or uh, waffles, donuts, donuts and stuff like that. So it's not a it's not a pick up and drop up. It's a hey, we come in as a family to do this thing for children's ministry to bless them as they have blessed us in the past, and we want to get parents engaged and the kids. All right, so mark your calendar for November the fifteenth. Let's go, boxes and all. Oh, 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 very <laughs> had a very shiny nose. And on that note, let's worship. Glory and Awesome theme. You are God and to 
sung this song in a while, but uh, as Tim's going to take us into Philippians chapter 2 uh, today, uh, make some connections between the lyrics of this song and, and that passage. No palace, no jewel, no kingdom to rule, no
Tim's going to come after we sing this next song. Uh, I'm going to invite you, if you're able, to stand as we sing this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy And I'll say this, too. Um, for those of you who are there watching online, we want you back. We want you back in here. When you're comfortable doing that. You know, I, I realize uh, that we're still doing the social distancing and the mask and those kind of things. But um, don't let space keep you away. We'll figure something out. You know, we've been kind of capping it, and, uh, but we've got, we've got a plan B for that, too. So if, you are, if you're ready to come back, we are ready to have you back. But we're also glad we can meet virtually as well as in person this morning. Um, and thanks for being here on time. You had an extra hour. I think Jan was the only one that was an hour early this morning. But isn't it great that we got an extra hour of 2020 this year? Isn't that great? Yeah. Wonderful, yeah. Heard about a husband who was walking through his kitchen and his wife said, honey, you look tired. And he said, I am tired. I just finished 50 push-ups. She said, 50 push-ups? When did you start doing push-ups? He said, well, I did my first one in the year 2013. 
<laughs> that lame joke actually has a moral to it. What good is it to be successful at something if we have an inaccurate def definition of success? What good is it to, to achieve a goal if the goal doesn't really count for much? As you can see, the ladders are still here on the stage. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't a mistake. Uh, we're still going through some thoughts in the book of Philippians. And I want to sort of continue um, my vein of thought that we started last week with the ladders. And the fact that, you know, we all find ourselves on ladders. And what we need to do is determine what direction we're headed on the ladder. Are we headed toward the top where all of uh, the world is kind of clamoring to get to? Or are we following Jesus to the bottom of the ladder? I want to talk about that a little bit more uh, this morning. You know, I, I want to go back to the verse that we landed on last week. I told you it would maybe the most significant passage in a book full of significant passages. I'm going to stand by that statement at least one more week. The next week or two, I, I might come off of that, but I want to remind us of Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, where Paul says this. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And we talked last week about the fact that Jesus, being in very nature God, being at the very top of the ladder, couldn't go any higher, became a servant, and climbed all the way down to the bottom of the ladder, not in spite of the fact that he was God, but precisely because of the fact that he was God. And, of course, Jesus is inviting us to follow him. And the question then we have to ask ourselves is, how are we going to define success? That's really what I want to talk to you about this morning. How are we going to define success? And I guess really the question should be, How's God define success? Because let's face it, his is the only definition that really matters. Um, and that, I think, is the question that Jesus is asking a culture that works so hard to get to the top of the ladder. And by the way, Jesus doesn't condemn success. Not at all. Success is a great goal. It's just a really crummy God. So, I want to talk a little bit this morning about the biblical definition of success, the biblical definition of what it means to be great, what it means to win. And I actually want to start with a couple false assumptions about success. And false assumption number one is that success means greatness. You know, most people, why they're trying to claw and scratch their way to the top of a ladder is because, at least I think, that there's something in us that we want our lives to matter. I mean, we want our lives to have some meaning, right? I do. I want my life to count for something. I don't want to just pay my mortgage and not go to jail. I want to do something. I, I want my life to matter. And so we're told, and, and for the most part, we've sort of bought into the notion that what awaits at the top of the ladder is greatness. If I can make it to the top of the ladder, then my life is going to count for something because 
I'll achieve greatness. I'll achieve success. Let me share with you a quote that I ran across. Greatness, great atness, does not equal greatness. Great atness isn't the same as greatness. And what most people, at least I think most Americans, consider success isn't greatness, it's great atness. They're great at something. They're great at playing a sport, or they're great at singing a song. She's great at sales. He's great at understanding the market or developing software. And we think it's the same thing, that great atness is the same as greatness. But it's not. Because you run into problems when you're pursuing great atness. At least people like me do. And I suspect people like most of you do as well. And one of the problems we run into is, and again, I'll speak personally here, I will never be great at anything the world considers greatness. I just won't. I've lived long enough to come to that conclusion. I'm not going to be great at anything that the world says, wow, that's greatness. I used to not think that. In fact, when I was in junior high, I had a goal. I had a plan. I had a dream. I knew what I was going to do. My life was laid out. I knew exactly what I was going to do. And what I was going to do was I was going to play linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was my plan. That was where I was headed. Missed it by that much. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, for me, great atness, it was unattainable. I just, I can't obtain, attain the things that the world says is greatness. And maybe you're the same way, but, but I will say this, even if you can attain what the world considers greatness, I'll guarantee you won't sustain it. You might get there, but you won't stay there because there's always going to be somebody who's greater at it than you. Somebody's going to come along who's a better athlete, who is better at sales, who understands the market better. I mean, if that's what you're trying to get to the top of the ladder for, you just, you won't stay there. Somebody's going to knock you off. But maybe the biggest problem that we have, when we finally get to the top of the ladder and we think, okay, we've arrived, we look around and we realize, man, I thought it was going to be different. I thought there was going to be more. I thought it was going to be better. You know, here I've, I've achieved what I finally wanted to achieve, and I don't know. It feels kind of empty. Read the book of Ecclesiastes sometime. King Solomon, wisest man who ever lived, arguably the, the greatest king that Israel ever had, is certainly as far as borders and, and success, um, he ends that book by saying everything is meaningless, utterly meaningless. You know, Solomon will go on to say, I was great at a lot of things. I was great at wisdom, and I was great at knowledge, and I was great at pursuing pleasure, and I was great at pursuing riches, and I achieved that. I was at the top of every ladder that was set before me. But then I realized, man, this is meaningless. It's utterly meaningless. In fact, several times in that book, Solomon will say, I was just chasing the wind. I was just fooling myself. 
trying to obtain what I thought I was going to bring meaning to my life. So it's a false assumption to believe that success means greatness. <clears throat> Here's the, the second false assumption. I already mentioned it. That Jesus condemns greatness or he condemns success. Absolutely not. In fact, I don't think anything could be further from the truth. We weren't created to live a life of mediocrity. Now, I don't think that God created us to think, okay, I just want to be okay. I'm just hoping for, eh, so-so. No, we were created for greatness. And we were created to be successful. Jesus says, just let me define success. Why don't you let me define what it means to be successful? And, and he does. He does several places in several ways. And I don't know if you're like me or not, but there are some things I, I kind of wish Jesus didn't say. Or at least I wish he said it in ways that were a little bit more vague. But he says stuff. And then I'm forced to deal with it. Uh, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus is going to talk about uh, greatness and talk about success. Um, I actually, in my class on Wednesday night, I bumped up against this. I worked on this lesson before I worked on my class. But this is a great statement by Jesus, but it's a little bit troubling. Mark 10, verse 42, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. You know how the world works. You know how everybody thinks. You know the direction up the ladder that everybody's working toward. You know how everybody wants to get ahead and what they do to get ahead. And Jesus says, not in my kingdom. We're not going to do it that way in my kingdom. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. Yeah, I kind of wish Jesus hadn't said that. Or I wish he was a little bit more ambiguous about that. You know, Jesus teaches stuff sometimes, you're like, well, what did he really mean? And let's, let's argue and debate about what he really meant. I can't argue and debate about what Jesus meant here. If you want to be great, you're going to have to get to the bottom of the ladder. If you want to be first, you're going to have to put everybody else in front of you. If you want to be like me, you're going to have to be a servant. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, Jesus doesn't say that there's anything wrong with wanting to become great, become successful. He just says, let me allow, allow me to uh, define those terms for you. Yeah, and we, we, th we bring it down a little bit uh, more personally into our own lives. Uh, those of us, those of you who are parents, you know, we, we want the best for our kids, right? We want our children to be successful. We want our children to be, to be happy. And I'm sure you parents, you, you all pray for that. You pray that your children are successful. We want our kids, you know, we pray for their safety, for their future. We pray for people that we love to be successful. So did the Apostle Paul. In Philippians, Paul actually begins that letter with a prayer for the people living in Philippi that he loved. And he doesn't pray that they, uh, he's praying for their success, 
but he doesn't pray for their success financially, and he doesn't pray for their success professionally, or that they'll live in great homes, anything like that. Um, that wasn't his prayer. Back up a chapter to Philippians chapter 1. Here's what Paul prayed for the people that he, that he really cared about, that he really loved. I pray that your love for each other will overflow more and more. I pray that your love for each other won't just overflow. No, this is so classic, Paul. Will overflow more and more. And that you'll keep on growing in your knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, those good things that are produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. That's Paul's prayer for the people that he loves in Philippi. That's his prayer for their success, that they would uh, be overflowing with love, that they would have a deep knowledge and understanding of Jesus, that they would have an appreciation of what really matters, uh, that they would live pure and blameless lives, an expression of the Spirit living within them, an unquenchable desire to bring praise and glory to God. Paul was really specific about his prayer for success for the people that he cares about. And, of course, Jesus is too. You know, Paul, Paul learns from Jesus. And over and over again, Jesus would tell us how he defines success. Let me just share with you one example among many. Uh, Luke chapter 12, he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? And then Jesus explains this story. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but it's not rich toward God. So Jesus is defining success pretty specifically. Let me share with you two quick points about um, how, how the Bible describes success. They're not inclusive at all, but they're a good place to start. And the first is right what Jesus just said. Uh, to be successful, we've got to be rich toward God. You know, Jesus says it in Luke uh, chapter 12, anyone who stores up for himself is not rich toward God. Philippians chapter 111, I just had it on the screen, says that our goal, our focus, you know, Paul's definition, Paul's prayer for those people would be that their lives would bring praise and glory to God. And you want to keep score of something? You want to keep track of success? You want a barometer for how am I doing? Is your life bringing glory and praise to God? Now, Jesus is challenging the scoring system. And he's challenging in a way that sort of um, questions our investment strategy. You want to know what's important to somebody? You know how, want to know how they view success? You know, follow the money. Follow what they spend their time on. What their energy is spent on. Take a look at what's most important to them. 
Jesus would say this in Matthew chapter 6, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is saying, what a terrible way to keep score by counting stuff. By keeping track of possessions and, and hoarding all these things that aren't going to last anyway. You know the old saying, everything we have is junk. It just hadn't got there yet. Someday somebody's going to throw it away. Why keep score that way? Heard someone say, the things you accumulate, you take to your grave. The things you give away, you take into eternity. And I think that's accurate, and I think it's biblical. So, we're going to be rich toward God. We're going to store up treasure in heaven. Okay, sounds great. What does it mean? <laughs> How do I do that? I think you know. You know how to be rich toward God. You know how to store up treasure in heaven. Every time we worship, we're storing up treasure in heaven. Every time that we seek the will of God, that we seek the face of God, we're storing up treasure in heaven. Every time we help someone who maybe will never help us back, we're storing up treasure in heaven. Every time we try to make God look good, every time we take the spotlight off of ourselves and, and turn it on to Jesus, every time we tell people how great God's been to us, what a blessing it is to call Jesus our Lord. We're storing up treasure in heaven. And of course, when the game's over, all that's going to matter is the score that God gives us. So, Leads me to my second point. You need to be rich toward God, but also we've got to be rich toward other people. Remember Paul's prayer that I just read to you? I pray that your love for each other will overflow more and more. That's the beginning of his prayer. I pray that your love for each other will overflow more and more. What if that really was our prayer? What if we really prayed, God, I want my love for other people to overflow more and more? Now, on a global level, on a, on a national level, what if our prayer was, I want my love for other people to overflow more and more? You know, these are difficult times in our nation. Uh, they're frightening times. We've got an election coming up on Tuesday. And whoever wins that election, I want my love for other people to overflow more and more. Because I know whoever wins that election, God's in control. And my citizenship is still in heaven. Jesus is on the throne. The Holy Spirit is still at work. My prayer, our prayer. I want my love for other people. Think of all the things that we would miss, all the things that we would, and when I say miss, I mean not have to suffer through if our love for each other just overflowed more and more. Well, I get really upset, and I get really angry, and I'm frustrated, but what if your love for other people just overflowed more and more? You know, that really bothers me, when you, but what if my love for you just overflowed more and more? 
Yeah, what a great prayer Paul has for the Philippians. And you'll remember, Jesus was asked once, what's the greatest commandment? You know, we're talking about success. We're talking about greatness. So Jesus is asked, okay, let's, let's talk greatness. What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus has asked one question, but he gives two answers. Remember? Uh, Mark chapter 12. Love the Lord your God. Uh, thanks, Dave, for singing that song. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. That's the greatest command. But i got to give you the second one, too. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no command greater than these. Jesus says, the only way that I can answer your question is to give you two answers. Love God with everything you've got. Just love God. But then you've got to love people, too. I mean, how can you love God and not love people? And when I say love, I don't mean tolerate. <laughs> I don't mean put up with. I mean love people. Jesus says the way I love myself. And I love myself quite a bit. I'm pretty good at that one. Love God. Love people. I'm telling you, everything else really is just commentary. The surest way to be a success in the Father's eyes is to bless his children. And we talked last week about what a, a difficult concept that is for us, especially as Americans, because we're so programmed to, to climb to the top of the ladder. We're so programmed to have our eyes on the top of that ladder. Um, it's not in our nature to buy into this concept that, that true success and true greatness is found down here at the bottom of the ladder. And what Jesus is saying about success, what Jesus is saying about greatness, is such great news, it's such good news, especially for people like me. I already told you I'll never be great at anything the world says is greatness. But according to Jesus, with his definition of success, I got the opportunity every single day to achieve greatness. Every single day, I can be great. Every single day, uh, I, can, I can do something that God says, you win. <laughs> You're successful. Remember Jesus told a story about a guy who was walking down a road, and he got robbed, and he got beat up, and he's left in the ditch. And a priest comes by, and he sees the guy, but he doesn't help him. And a Levite comes by, and he sees the guy, but he doesn't help him. And then this guy from Samaria comes by, and they're supposed to not even like each other, but the guy from Samaria stops and he helps the man, he puts him on his donkey, he takes and he spends his time and his effort and his money even to, to care for this man. You know that priest and the Levite? I bet they were great at what they did. I bet they were great at teaching the law. They were probably great at performing sacrifices. Great at doing church. But they weren't great men. Because the guy's still in the ditch. And we know this story so well, and we call the story the story of the Good Samaritan. Yeah. Jesus never calls it that. Jesus doesn't call the guy anything, really. But I don't think Jesus would call it the story of the Great Samaritan. I think Jesus would call it the story of the Great Samaritan. Because what he did is great. It's God's definition of greatness and success. And it's such a neat thing for, for people like me. 
They're probably people like us. You know, it was Dr. King who said, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. And that's what Jesus is saying as well. You don't need a college degree for this. You just need a heart full of grace. You just need the Holy Spirit working through you. You just need to be exhibiting those, those love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness. Greatness isn't a skill set. It's choice. It's a choice that we all can make. We can choose to be great because we can choose what direction on the ladder we're headed. And I'll guarantee, again, nobody's going to stand up at my funeral and say, well, he was so great at this. But I want to define success that way. And I don't want to define greatness that way. And I don't want to define winning that way. I don't want to keep score that way. And it's really hard not to. I get it. It's hard not to. I don't want to move up the ladder. <laughs> I want to pay attention to what ladder I'm on and what direction I'm headed. Jesus says that the path of success, the path of greatness, it's all downhill. It is not up the ladder. Remember, he started at God, very nature God. It's all downhill. It's down the ladder. And that goes against everything you've ever been told by anyone other than Jesus. Nobody else will give you that advice. Nobody else will give you that counsel. Only Jesus says you want to be great. Down here at the bottom. Washing feet. With me. Nobody else goes there. Nobody else suggests that. Just Jesus. Let me wrap up where we began. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Again, Jesus doesn't call us to the top of the ladder. He's calling us down to the bottom of the ladder. But make no mistake, he's also calling us to change the world. He's expecting his kingdom to be a powerful force. And he's expecting us to be world changers. But we're going to do it in service. And I mentioned last week, be careful about working really hard to get up the ladder because at some point you're going to meet Jesus coming down and you might miss them completely. We need a new understanding of what greatness really is. You know, and I'm, I'm really thankful that I'm part of a church family that is filled with so many people who are great at different things. We've got a lot of talent in this church family. You know, we've got a lot of people who are just great at stuff. But let's be sure and maybe recalibrate where true success really is. And what the real definition of greatness is. Maybe we need to change the way we pursue greatness. I want to end with a prayer. And actually, 
I'm going to ask the Apostle Paul to close us out in a prayer. So let's pray. I pray that your love for each other will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in your knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, those good things that are produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Father, may Paul's prayer be our prayer. And it's in your son's name that I pray. Amen. Hey, for those of you watching online, um, there is a link there uh, on the screen for you. If you'd like the prayers of people who love God and, and, and want to help us all love God better, um, there's a link where you can click there and you can have someone pray with you, pray for you. I keep saying you can make it as anonymous as you want it to be. If you'd like someone to get in touch with you personally, there's some links there as well on our website, uh, the Bay Area Church of Christ uh, website that you can go to and someone will be praying for a concern that you might have and someone will certainly get in touch with you if that's your uh, desire as well. For those of us in the auditorium, before we dismiss this morning, one of our elders will come up and give us some instructions on uh, if you'd like to meet with, uh, with one of our shepherds as well for prayer or any concerns that you might have. Uh, Dave has another song that he's going to, to lead us in as we start preparing our minds for the Lord's Supper. Thank you, Tim. Uh, after we sing this song, our brother Paul Lickman's going to come and share some thoughts with us as we share in that Lord's Supper.
Good morning, church. So I am not Paul Lickman, but I know that he would have jumped up here and uh, done this if we'd have given him a chance. So good morning. Let's take a look at our Bibles real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. It says this, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again. And we're about to do this today. We're about to open up uh, this packet and get some bread out of it. If you're you're at home, you're probably uh, breaking some matzah crackers or something like that. You're going to pass those around and take that and have some juice. We want to do that because we want to do what Jesus said we should do. We want to continue. But it's the next few verses that always catch my attention, and it's those that I want us to really pay attention to today. So starting in verse 27, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. You know, the first few verses, 23 through 26, are the ones we focus on a lot because we get it. Jesus was there, he broke the bread, he prayed, and we love that part. And then the next verses, just frankly telling you, always concerned me. Maybe I just have a tendency to be a little bit negative, or maybe like me, you've read those verses and thought, man, I really don't want to be unworthy. And I read the verses, and I wonder, how can I make sure that I do this the right way? So first question, can we be aligned on this, that we want and have the desire to do right and to love the Lord? You know, I think if you're here this morning or if you've joined us online and you're getting ready to take this bread and this juice, that that really is your, your desire. You want to do this in a worthy way. I want to do this in a worthy way. So I want to look at these verses and try and figure out what does that mean. And so real quick, how can we take this bread and this cup in a worthy way? manner. Verse 28 says this, but let a man examine himself. So number one, we need to examine ourselves. Verse 29 says this, that we need to discern the Lord's body. So what does it take to examine ourselves? Real quick, think about yourself and your relationship to God. Close your eyes if you need to for a minute. Just consider Where am I and who am I in relationship to God? I started asking myself that question and I wrote down a couple of things. And the first few things I wrote down were not flattering. I wrote down, you know, sometimes I'm lazy. I see things that I'm supposed to do and I just don't want to do it, so I don't. The fact is it's more than lazy. Sometimes I'm just flat out rebellious. I know what I'm supposed to do. And I still choose otherwise. And when I look at those things, being lazy and rebellious, the fact of the matter is that sometimes I'm a sinner. And I suspect that if you consider yourself and your relationship to God, maybe you think about those things too. But I don't want to be unworthy. 
And so guess what? The story doesn't end there. There's more. Because while I may be a sinner, there's some more things that I wrote down when I think about my relationship to God, and I hope you do too. Number one, I'm faithful. I'm faithful, and because I'm faithful, I know, and the Bible tells me that I'm always growing. Okay? So yeah, I'm a sinner, but I'm faithful. Number two, I'm growing. And really, really important today when we're taking this bread and we're taking this juice, we need to remember that not only are we faithful and growing, we're forgiven. That's who I am in my relationship to God. Verse 29 does talk about discerning the Lord's body. And think about it for just a minute. Where is the Lord's body today? Where is it? We are the body. Let's take a look at chapter 12 real quick. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but for reference, chapter 12, starting in verse 12, really the rest of that chapter is all about discussing the Lord's body. I'm just going to read to you verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So do you know who you are in the body today? You know who you are in relationship to God you're forgiven. But do you know who you are in his body? If you didn't, let me tell you something. Chapter 12 is really clear. It tells you that you matter. You're a part of the body that matters. Not only that, we are not the body without you. We're not, because you have a function and you matter. And if that's true, if you matter and you're part of the body, you cannot take this in an unworthy manner today. So, that's the message. The invitation, would you take this cup knowing that you are worthy? I hope you would. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, our God and Father, we come before you this morning and we're thankful to know that we're part of your body. We're thankful to know, Lord God, that while we may be sinners, that we're a work in progress and that you will complete this work because you are faithful. Lord our God and Father, we're thankful that the work started long ago, and we're thankful, Lord God, that you've already paid the price. So we accept it, knowing that Jesus is the Christ, your Son, the God of all eternity. And so we pray, Lord God, that we would remember his sacrifice that has made us worthy to be called your children. We pray, Lord God, that we would remember who we are in relationship to you and who we are in relationship to this body, that we might go forward and do the good work that you've planned for each of us. We pray these things, Lord God, in your son Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Because we discern the body, 
We know that each of us matters because we know that we have a function and we continue to participate one with another. We also have a chance to participate in things that are physical. God gives us finances. He gives us all good things, but this moment, we're setting aside to take a look at money, frankly. This is a chance to participate and to contribute. Um, I love that we have technology that helps us to contribute even when we're not together, even when we're not passing trays. And this is one of those moments to consider how we give and how those funds can be used to help the rest of the body and to grow the body. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6, says this, But this I say, Who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. You know, I love that these verses didn't stop at verse 7 and just say, hey, God loves a cheerful giver. I love that the following verse is a reminder that, hey, yeah, you may be giving some finances, but understand that God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. You may be considering giving some financial peace, some monetary value today. God doesn't leave you without blessing. This isn't a give to get. This is simply a reminder that everything we have anyway comes from God. You can hold it with a clenched fist or you can hold it with an open palm, giving to the one who gave it to you in the first place. Let's go to God in prayer and think about how we can give generously. Lord, our God and Father, we come before you knowing, Lord God, that you give us all things, life and breath, the ability to proceed every single day. And Lord God, it's difficult sometimes for us to think about things that are in our possession only as stewards, and yet we really are. Your Bible tells us, Lord God, that you give us things for us to take care of it. And part of good stewardship is knowing where the finances should be used. So we pray, Lord, for your guidance, for your wisdom, for your direction, for your influence on our lives, Lord God, that we might take the money that's in our possession, that we might be good stewards instead of owners, that we might Put it back where you want it so it can be used for the good works that you want done and accomplished. We pray, Lord God, that we would have the right attitude, that we would understand our position in this body and our position compared to you. We pray, Lord God, that you would help increase our faith. We pray, Lord God, that you would take these funds and that you would use it well, that you would guide those who would make decisions about it. Lord God, that, we would have, that you would have the benefit that you want. Lord God, we pray for your will to be, be done on this earth as it is in heaven. We pray all of these things, Lord God, in your son Jesus Christ's name. For yours is the kingdom, the kingdom of power, the kingdom of glory, and the kingdom forever, Lord God. Amen. We're going to close with uh, this last song. Have you seen Jesus, my Lord? You know, Jesus said, uh, he told his followers that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And this song talks about the ways that we see Jesus today. And particularly when we get to the last verse, uh, is our role, when people look at us, are they seeing Jesus?
So let's stand together as we sing this. When we get done, have a seat, and we'll go through the dismissal protocol. <clears throat> Have you ever stood at the ocean with the white foam at your feet? Felt the endless thundering motion, then I say you've seen Jesus my Lord. Have you seen Jesus my Lord? He is here in plain view. Take a look, open your eyes, he'll show it to you. Have you ever stood at the sunset with the sky mellowing red? Seen the clouds suspend their light feathers, then I say you've seen Jesus my Lord. Have you seen Jesus, my Lord? He's here in plain view. Take a look, open your eyes. He'll show it to you. Have you ever stood at the cross with a man hanging in pain? Seen the Lord? Take a look. 